At a party given by a billionaire on Shelter Island, Kurt Vonnegut informs his pal Joseph Heller that their host, a hedge fund manager, had made more money in a single day than Heller had earned from his wildly popular novel Cash-22 over its whole history. Heller responds, yes, but I have something he will never have. Enough. Enough. I was stunned by the simple eloquence of that word. Stunned for two reasons. First, because I have been given so much in my own life. And second, because Joseph Heller couldn't have been more accurate. For a critical element of our society, including many of the wealthiest, most powerful among us, there seems to be no limit today on what enough entails. I wanted to start off with this excerpt about money being equated to happiness, like more money, more happiness. Big Smalls actually is more money, more problems, right? <laughs> but that's an excerpt from the book, uh, The Chapter Never Enough, in the book, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. I recommend this book to anyone who's getting into investing or actually anyone with a pulse, really, who makes money and wants to invest because it talks about how money affects all aspects of our life in terms of our financial well-being, our future, our mental health, and whatnot. Um, it's got the subtitle, Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness. Anyway, the reason for this is because I came across an article on Business Insider that really was, I thought, somewhat troubling, in my opinion, in terms of how individuals are viewing money nowadays. So, uh, I think this somewhat poorly written article on Business Insider uh, it was worth a discussion. So, the title of the article is Millennials Say, that, and I'm a millennial, 34 years old, Born in 1989, uh, millennials say they need $525,000 a year to be happy. A Nobel Prize winner's research shows they're not wrong. Actually, that's inaccurate in the title, but we'll get to that. Um, if we scroll down to the article, it says, when it comes to annual salary, the average respondent thinks they need $284,000 each year to be happy. Here's what each generation said they need to earn annually, as well as the net worth required to achieve happiness. Gen Z, 128K, net worth of 487000 Millennials, my generation, is just so outlandishly above and beyond everybody else. It makes me question the results of the research, uh, but that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, millennials say they need 525K with a net worth of 1.7 million. Gen X, 130K with a net worth of 1.2. And the boomer generation, 124K with a net worth of just a tad under a million annually. Men said that they need to earn 381K annually, while women said... It's 183K to make them happy. And then it references a couple studies that we'll actually talk about. However, I also want to pull up because the, the research referenced is by a company called Empower. And I have seen some of their research before. And the... There's a lot of ambiguity in what, what this research was for. I mean, Empower, uh, they're a financial services company. So the research, if I scroll to the top of this, is financial happiness. The Business Insider alludes to the fact that it's overall happiness, and the two research articles that are referenced also are about overall happiness. So there's a lot of ambiguity throughout the article whether or not Empower is specifically talking about it. But I found it troublesome as well that they extrapolated the surveying of just a little over 2,000 U.S. adults, no idea where they're from, you know, what area, because if you tell me what makes me happy in a city that I used to live in, Wichita, Kansas, or another city I used to live in, Miami, Florida, there's going to be a huge disparity between what that income looks like in terms of what I got to do as far as rent, 
uh, buying groceries, gas and whatnot. So there's just not too many details on that. And statistically, if you want to extrapolate this 2000 individuals to the whole entire U.S. population, there's a lot of uh, statistical insignificance and a lot of room for error versus what Daniel Kahneman did, the Nobel Prize laureate that they referenced did. Um, By the way, he's got another book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow Again. Highly recommend that as well. However, the research articles referenced is, I'm sure many have heard is that anybody that hits about 75K a year it starts to plateau in terms of your return on happiness. So once you hit that threshold, any exponential amount that you make over 75 K a year doesn't really attune itself to just more happiness. Everything else from that point on becomes other sort of like mental health things that need to be uh, worked on. And it's actually this article that if you are are watching, um, right here, high high income improves evaluation of life, but not emotional well-being. Um, somewhere here, uh, emotional from the abstract, emotional well-being also rises with logarithmic income, but there's no further progress beyond an annual income of about 75K. Now, that 75K number actually comes from a range that they had, one of which being 60K to 90K. And right there in the middle is going to be the 75K. So that's where that number comes from. Really, as another research article that's referenced in the Business Insider article states that it actually should be about 90K since that's the top of the threshold. Low income, back to the abstract, low income exacerbates the emotional pain associated with such misfortunes as divorce, ill health, and being alone. We conclude that high income buys life satisfaction, but not happiness. And that low income is associated both with low life evaluation and low emotional well-being. I think common sense should tell us that you, I mean, you can't buy happiness. You, you literally cannot buy happiness, but it can solve certain issues that you are having of financial, like the article and the research by Empire states that you know, people have lost sleep in terms of financial issues, whether or not be paying off student loans, affording rent and whatnot. Yes, 100%. If you make more money, then you can clear those out of the air. But that does not get rid of all of the other issues in your life. So there is a newer article. And there, there's one aspect of this article that I, I, I love. I love... This, if I scroll down to the bottom and the concluding remarks before we actually get into it, the beginning sentences, we wish to flag the increasingly popular process of adversarial collaboration in which researchers with different views attempt to resolve their disagreement by doing joint research with the help of a friendly arbiter. The surprising results and so on and so forth are located in this. And the research is the original one uh, between Daniel Kahneman and I believe Angela Eaton or Deaton, um, and also another one by Matthew A. Killingsworth, and they just have Killingsworth referenced here. Um, I can't find. Maybe it is just Matthew Killingsworth. Anywho, 
there are some differences. So the Killingsworth research showed that happiness doesn't necessarily plateau at 75K, but you can get incremental increases of happiness as income continually goes up. Um, I find this really fascinating that through the Arbiter in this adversarial research, it states, we suggest that Kahneman and Deaton might have reached the correct conclusion if they had described their results in terms of unhappiness rather than happiness. Their measures could not discriminate among degrees of happiness because of a ceiling effect. So once you hit that happiness threshold, then that's the ceiling that's being referenced here. So it was not what was found in the Killingsworth research because they were able to continually measure how unhappiness was continually going away as the income increased. Um, so we go through the article, but both definitely show that it, it just doesn't, it doesn't buy happiness. So the differences between the two articles and these are just hundreds of thousands of responses and just larger sample sizes that could be more relied upon than that Empower research. Um, look at this, like 1.7 million experience sampling reports from 33,000 employed in the Matthew Killingsworth research. I mean, that's way more than 2,000. I would say this, you know, the more sample size you get, the better representative of population that you have and the less you are prone to error. So it does show, yes, there are degrees of unhappiness that are removed. However, it just doesn't get rid of anything. I mean, there are celebrity suicides of people that are unhappy when you look at them on their face that they have everything on this planet. And just sharing a personal story, I went to law school. I worked in a law firm. I was working just absurd amount of hours to the point where I was just trying to chase money, but I had no personal life. And I knew from that point forward, I, I'm not going to do that. So I exchanged my income to decrease and I, just to be candid, I'm, I'm not hurting for money in getting back more of my life. And I've continually done such. I've taken two big pay cuts in order to have a better work-life balance because I found that just more money creates more stress, can create unhappiness. But if I have that great work-life balance, you can have a measure. There's, there's one thing you don't have, and you can hear this repeatedly, is you, you can't get more time. You can't buy more time. So for me, more time equals more happiness. There, that's a big thing about what this book is about, the psychology of money. There's a passage in here somewhere that talks about how you should be spending money to buy only things that you genuinely want for yourself. Because when you buy something for other people, then you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, you're trying to keep up appearances, and you'll just never be satisfied. It'll never be enough, just like in that passage I started with. So I, I find it incredibly trouble, troublesome. And I, I do want to show a somewhat contradictory article to that new recent business insider. This one was from actually just a few months back in Yahoo Finance that somewhere it has different salaries uh, stashed away. Okay, here you go. So Gen Z in this one says 171K, Millennials 133K, which is a far cry from that over half a million. Gen X 112, Baby Boomers 78K with a much 
smaller amount to be tucked away, like fractional amounts. So I, I, I just, I don't know where that business insider come from, but I, I think there is some truth to that, that people just think we just need more and more money. And people are really stressed out nowadays. There's a looming, are we going to be in a recession? Aren't we going to be student loans? I've got them myself. I mean, just because I don't practice law anymore doesn't mean that my loans went away. So yeah, there are stresses there, but there are ways to find time back in your day and just to work more on apology. If you're watching, I don't know what's going on with OBS, some, some sort of action that I do with my hands that triggers uh, fireworks and whatnot. But let's let's evaluate more. I guess the, the whole message of this episode is what happiness truly means. It's not just financial. You got to figure out how to work on the mental aspects because it you're just really patching. If you're trying to make more money, you're trying to buy things to make yourself happy, then you're really just patchworking your own mental health. And one of the things I, I do want to talk about on this channel a lot of times is mental health. I've done a lot of things to work on my own and I couldn't have made those decisions in terms of taking pay cuts to be happier for that work-life balance if I didn't work on that mental health. So Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know your thoughts, what you think on money, how much would it be to be comfortable? Am I thinking about this in the right way? Everybody has their own personal trials and tribulations that they're going through. You've got family life. you got other people to take care of. So a lot of times that money can resolve that. But just let me know. I like to have a discussion. I like to get other perspectives on what's going on in other people's lives. Thanks for listening and see you in the next one.